the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Happy Labor Day. Thanks for hanging out. We are pleased to be able to uh, come together and celebrate. Hopefully you got a day off. You didn't even have to worry about putting that fake meeting on the schedule. I know Bud's always giving you that good tip. Fake meeting on your Google Calendar gets you that 11 a.m. live watch. Smash the subscribe. Smash the like. Come and hang out. Join the conversation. A lot to get to today. We will be doing our Upon Further Review as we do pretty much every Monday. But gentlemen... This is also Knowles to go goes all the way to the front of the show. And I don't want just like a couple of orders. <laughs> Any canal, Bud Elliott. I want the catering platter of Knowles to go Florida state 24 LSU 23. How are we feeling on a victory Monday? Whew. Should we close out? So I think we should start the show. The way that we closed it out. <laughs> That's our audio yeah. right there. <laughs> Holy cow. What a game. I am telling you, I slept about three hours last night. I felt like I was emotionally invested to the point where I was playing. I was actually jumping around. There's a great video of EJ Manuel, former FSU quarterback on the ACC network set. I was doing the same thing when I was watching it, jumping up and down. And you felt like 
you know, for a long time, it felt like, okay, we're going to win this game pretty convincingly, be able to make a statement mm-hmm. win. You're up two touchdowns. And then you feel a collapse coming. And it's sort of, I mean, it's not that much different. It's a lot different. But Nebraska's lost a lot of close games, right? Florida State's blown some games. And they. I feel like they have to learn how to win. So I don't care if it was ugly. I don't care if they almost blew it. You got the W. And in dramatic fashion, and I'm very fascinated to see which which direction this program heads from here because those types of wins can be monumental for the people's perception of you, but more importantly, the perception of yourself inside that locker room, what they can be capable of. So I'm fired up, to say the least. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of neutral site games, but I got to tell you, New Orleans for a neutral site game is is awesome, right? And it's a town that people actually want to take a vacation to. Like it, it was awesome all week. FSU fans traveled extremely well like I, I haven't sat in the stands of a big game in a long time almost always in the press box it's like no my, my wife and LSU we're gonna go enjoy this one together and I, I just feel so much more connected to the sport now right like you kind of get back with with, with, with the fans and, and and the folks and it was an ugly sloppily played at times opening weekend game with a lot of physicality a lot of hitting and I do think it says something about FSU that they were able to make some critical mistakes and still win because in prior years, they could make critical mistakes and they would get blown out or they would lose by 10. And you know, they made some pretty big mistakes yesterday. Two kickoffs out of bounds, missed field goal in the first half. Really, the only time LSU really moved the ball in the first half was off kickoffs that let them start at the you know, 35 or after a personal foul of 50 one time. Uh, you know, that was that was pretty impressive to me. Uh, LSU, I thought it had some moments. Mason Smith getting injured early was a certainly a big help. FSU was missing two off two. Like FSU took three transfers in the, in the offensive, you know, offensive line department this offseason. They all needed to start. Two of them, one's done for the year. The other one was in a sling. I saw him in the hotel the night before the game. So uh, they were down quite a few guys. LSU getting, uh, you know, Allie Gay uh, ejected for targeting and Mason Smith injured. That was also a pretty big deal in the game. But uh, Jordan Travis, he had, I think, seven incomplete, incomplete passes. Two or three were drops. Did he throw any ball that should have been picked? I just thought the – that no. he never put a ball in jeopardy, right? Like they were going to make LSU earn it on both sides of the ball. Offensively, taking care of the football. Now, granted, they dropped the they dropped the pitch at the goal line. Probably want to hold on to that, or maybe just run Jordan. You know, and defensively, I thought FSU stayed in too deep shell almost the entire game and said, "Hey, you will earn it every step of the way. No explosive plays, and this is a pretty big defense. And so we're going to make you earn it. See if you can run the ball in the red zone." LSU had one pass over 20 yards last night, one. And that ball traveled, I think, three yards in the air, and then the rest it was a catch and run on that touchdown late. They Just nothing over your heads. Can you beat this defensive line? And LSU couldn't do it for the most part until the very end, and then they damn sure did. That was – Well, they were out of cover too at the end, though. They were just yeah. kind of dropping everybody back. Yeah, it was just pretty good. <laughs> but I guess if you let the ball go over your head against Jacksonville State last year, I can understand why they're a little <laughs> more conservative. <laughs> So a couple more just tag tag along points as I want to hit on too to kind of echo what Bud's saying. They were able to do that two shell and get pressure on the quarterback, which is huge. Mm-hmm. If you're able to do that, then that is a winning formula. If you can do that, and now that their defensive line showed up in a big way, doing a pretty good job, you know, you know containing Jaden Daniels, who looked extremely one dimensional. Like I think that's going to be a problem. Now the last drive, maybe that was something that they look at. They say we can throw it a little bit more, but it was prevent defense. But I thought it was extremely one dimensional. The other thing is, and this is one of the reasons I felt good about Florida State going into this game. 
Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins did a phenomenal game job game planning, winning plays, and putting Jordan Travis into good positions, especially in third down. Like I loved the play calls. I loved the fourth and two are going for it early, even though they didn't get it. I didn't love the play call. I don't like a fade down there as much, not very high percentage. Still could have caught it. And a lot of Florida State fans were chirping saying, oh, that was a horrible play call. I had no problem at all with them going for it, being aggressive. And then the pitch on the end zone. I, somehow this narrative, and I know McElroy said something about it, Like, and that does, like people hear a broadcast and they start buying into what's being said. I had no problem with that either. As far as a play call, zero problem with it whatsoever. You just have to execute. Like It's not that hard to get a pitch on the goal line, and we did it a ton, and teams still do it a ton. They'll run a toss sweep in goal line situations. A lot of times, you can actually get the running back out of there faster because you can lead him with the pitch. Clearly, the pitch was behind him. That was a part of the problem, but... I just thought that was something I noticed from the game that were you know people were criticizing Norvell for the play call. I didn't have a problem with it whatsoever. So I, I you, oh, go ahead, Tom. I was just gonna say I think Jared Verse is a name that quickly you mentioned Florida State's defensive front being able to get the pressure on without really bringing anybody. I think Verse was a huge part of that. He he was killing LSU's offensive line. And as far as like the fade on the goal line, I agree with you because that was that was a free possession. Like LSU muffed the punt. Florida State gets free possession inside the red zone, fourth and short. Got a chance to really kind of put the game away, go for it. I didn't like the fade. I do feel like with Jordan Travis, I would rather give him options, like a pass or a run. Give him something he can choose to do. Use both of his, you know, both of his assets instead of just take one step back, plant, and toss it up in the air and you know, cross your fingers. Yeah, I'll have to go look at the all twenty-two look because it might have been one of those plays where at the line of scrimmage at the line. He, or he's got three looks that he's looking for, mm-hmm. and that was the look where they take the shot at the fade. That's my hunch, because I don't think they would dial up just a straight fade. So maybe it was one of those ones where he had options. But I would say, again, take that option off the table. Like, let's run – maybe have two options, and both of them in, involve Jordan Travis getting outside, using his legs as a threat, but also being able to throw it. So in a vacuum, I don't love going for the touchdown there. Even like I'm usually like go-for-it guy. But with a minute 11 left, you don't really get the sort of reciprocal value of sticking them with bad field position, right? Like you're not likely to get the ball back and start a drive at your own 50 or your, your own 45 following a punt if you get the stop because they're just going to do what they did, which is you know kind of knee it out and go to the half. You're, you're not really going to get the full value of the resulting field position if you miss. I agree with, with Tom and Danny. Like I would like to see the ball in Jordan Travis's hands. I thought Alex Atkins, who go back, I mean, he was on a, a, a spread option staff at Georgia Southern. Like, they know what to do with mobile quarterbacks. I thought they really kept the protection extremely well with, with that many offensive linemen either out or hurt in this game. LSU, for as good as their rushers are, they did have to respect Jordan's legs an awful lot. And, like, th- that really helped with the protection some, I think, in this game. But down in the goal line, they didn't do that, you know, as as well as, as you would have liked to see. I guess the one reason why I think they might have gone for it is – they know their own personnel. They know they're pretty banged up in the offensive line. Like they need this bye week in a bad way. They go Louisville next Friday, not not this Friday. They they need to get healed up there. Maybe they thought, look, we know LSU's got some damn good guys on the D line. How many more times are we gonna get down here? This is a kill shot time. Oh, and the kicker has kicked two kickoffs out of bounds and came up short on like a 45 yard field goal. So maybe let's get to the locker room and figure out what the hell is going on with the kicker. Do we really want to try another kick here before we can get to the locker room? So Look, games are not played on a spreadsheet. I, I I understand why they did it, even if I don't love it. 
All right. So I wanted to follow up on that because the games are not played on a spreadsheet and there's no way that the, that like your simulations could take into consideration that Malik neighbors would muff two punts. I mean, Florida state got zero points off two like incredible free possessions as you called them or that Jared verse would block one field goal. And then Shaheen Brown would come in and block what would have been the game tying extra point. LSU special teams are a disaster. Yes. Yeah. LSU's like, like this is um, like, all credit to Florida State, but there is another like world right now, which is the LSU football community that is not in a good headspace right now. And when we look across the entire SEC, you know, there were so many predictions about like, well, you know, uh, Auburn might be a dumpster fire this year, or you know, we don't know exactly what we're going to expect from Florida. This you know, year one with Billy Napier, it was kind of a tumultuous offseason, but. LSU in this game, and there's so many different levels to this. You mentioned that like Jaden Daniels being one dimensional. Tom did a great job of pointing out, or at least I, I saw Tom pointing it out a lot. He was, if he didn't see his first look, he just took off running. And LSU's offensive line was the offensive line that was really, really bad. I came into this game and the injuries certainly played a factor, but LSU's offensive line was the one that was a total liability in this game. Like where, where where are we at with LSU? Because one of the conversations that I think we might sort of get to in a pun further review is like, who is the team that you have changed your mind the most on based on the first week of play? And I think an LSU team that I was de- declaring underrated on CBSSports.com that I thought had a, a high ceiling based on the talent on defensive line and wide receiver, like that, it might be a true disaster season for the Tigers if they are not able to fix some of the function. And they had a chance to win this game if they were to get it to overtime and playing with a little bit of confidence after scoring two late touchdowns. But all of the mistakes piled up make it look uh, no bueno for uh, for Brian Kelly here in year one. Well, the one X factor, say, an X factor we have to consider is, is Kayshawn Booty going to put LSU back in his Instagram bio? I'm... Listen, if fake Brett McMurphy Twitter accounts are already tweeting that he's entered the transfer portal and called Brian Kelly a, quote, fake Ed Orgeron, again, that is a fake (laughs) Brett McMurphy Twitter account that has already gotten some circulation here on this Monday morning. Like, yeah, if if Kayshawn enters the transfer portal, if we start to see, like, total, like, locker room dysfunction as well, then the bad could get really, really bad for this LSU team. I will say, and, and... I don't mean this in, in a homerish way, right? Like FSU has a lot of flaws. Like they're not going 12 and 0. I'm not really sure, aside from Alabama, that LSU plays a better front seven this year, right? Like oh. Lovett, Lo- Lovett's going to get drafted. Briggs, like, like Briggs is back and healthy. Briggs missed the season last year for the most part after he got chop blocked against Notre Dame. That, that guy has a chance to get drafted. V- Verse is pretty clearly a hit. Cooper is like a sixth year senior at D tackle who. You know, well, probably not going to be a draft guy, but is a very good college, you know, D tackle. McClendon is a hell of a three. I, I mean, I don't think there's another team in the SEC West other than Bama, and they don't play Georgia from the East this year, right? They get Tennessee and Florida, I think. And I don't think there's a better front seven that they're going to play. So LSU's offense may look better just because they'll be able to block a little bit better. Maybe they get a little better chemistry with with Daniels and, and the receivers, or maybe Nussmeyer steps in if they're able to protect them a little bit better. I'm. I'm certainly more down on LSU than I was. I still think they're a better team than Auburn is. I'm I'm at the same place with LSU. I had them going six and six. Their win total was seven. I took the under on it on the show earlier. I just, I mean, as flawed as that team was and as poor as it played for a large portion of last night's game, 
it was a blocked extra point away from forcing overtime. And so it's it's not like that. that's not a team who's going to go on and be able to win some games. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. I think that in the first week of the season under a new coach, there's always going to be overreactions to that, especially for an LSU fan base who just thinks that looking at Florida State the last few years is like, well, that's a game we're supposed to win. It's in the Superdome, which it's a neutral site, but it's our home stadium. That's a team we're supposed to win. New coach, we lost. Everything's a disaster. We played poorly. I, they're going to get better as the season goes along. Uh, but my concern is like special teams is something that's going to matter. I mean, just like did did Brian Kelly hire Nebraska special teams coordinator from last season when he went to Baton Rouge? That's not something I think you could fix. I think defensively, you know, the injuries to Mason, I think that's something once he gets back. I don't know how long he's going to be out, if he's going to be out a long time. But if he comes back, that's a huge bonus because he's one of the best players in the SEC. And defensively, like that secondary Jordan Travis played really well. Like you were saying earlier, but he did not put the ball in danger with any of his throws. But Florida State's receivers were not getting separation. Like he made some really good throws to get completions and the receivers made some great plays on the ball. But for the most part, you didn't see a lot of it unless it was like a crossing route underneath against zone coverage. You didn't see a lot of open Florida State receivers roaming through the secondary. They were covered pretty well. So I do think defensively, this team's going to be fine. The question will be offensively, what are they going to do? Can they figure out something with Jaden Daniels? Because, yeah, like the difference between the two quarterbacks last night was both can run, but Jordan Travis was actually trying to complete the passes instead of just taking off for his life most of the night. So, any you mentioned neutral site games. I do want to get this on here too. I've I have been roasted for talking about. Uh, how I enjoy some aspects of neutral site games. I talk about the the hotels, the bars, and the restaurants around town, and certainly New Orleans is a great place for that. It does create this atmosphere where before the game, it, generally jovial, right? You know, everyone's like, "Hey, like we'll see what happens. Good luck out there. Hope you lose." But you know, people are mostly pretty nice and enjoying the college football atmosphere. Also, have it. Florida State did a great job of traveling well to this game. Though there was a lot of garnet and gold in the stands. Um, that created an amazing moment when that extra point was blocked because the shriek of celebration, the shriek of panic, the yes and the oh no, all combined with Florida State's band getting neck going. <laughs> wow. I mean, just through and through good stuff. Like those sounds that you get at the end of close and competitive neutral site games or it's just some special college football stuff right there and the crazy call right like he's oh. down in bounds the game should be over like should and then they're giving yeah. an untimed down i'm and so they should have gone for two. was gonna like lay down on the field to protest and, and just like Another, you thought they should have gone for two tom hell yes you just had to put together 11 play 99 yard drive in a minute 20 that defense was gassed your offense hadn't really been able to do anything all night until florida state went into a shell now you're going to go into overtime at start at the 25 you won't be able to score you should have gone for two and won the damn game mm. i'm glad that we are not having to talk about controversy and the ball in fact did not lie right <laughs> yeah i mean that, that, that would have been ball exhausting that was just like i i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm going to be uh ready for all tom 
Tom had a great Instagram post of like four different screenshots from the last few minutes of the game. Cause you see the Florida state fans, when you gave up the touchdown, you're like, you know, double Cobras, like mm-hmm. we're going to overtime. I can't believe this. And then, you know, you get the shots of the LSU fans after the field goals blocked and there's Brian Kelly confused. Like it was great, but that's what makes our sport so great. Are those type of moments when you get just euphoria and exasperation, like in the same moment. And there are, right, I thought the Florida state fan, base was well represented i don't know bud you could say just how loud it was but you could tell watching it on tv that it was it was loud for both sides it felt like a florida georgia you know like like this, this is what you you want a neutral site to be and I, I mean fsu fans wanted something like this for for a long time not like a neutral site just an exciting game they can go you know to the the last one you really had was uh was fsu bama in atlanta but like it, i mean no disrespect to atlanta obviously got a lot of friends that live in atlanta I'm sure we all do cool city whatever i don't want to go to atlanta for a neutral site game i don't want to go to dallas for a neutral site game like i like i want to go to somewhere where i would actually like hey i want to go take a fun weekend vacation in this city or that city. i guess orlando next year you know uh maybe lsu fans will be excited to take their kids i live in orlando okay fine like it, it's all right new orleans is a nice spot for, for for a neutral site game that was that was pretty cool you don't want to go to the Fort Worth Dallas Metroplex and check out some See, strip yeah, like, like I'm, I'm going to go tailgate with a huge Walmart in the background. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, Walmart, if Walmart, if you want to sponsor a shout out, we love Walmart Dallas. I'm all about <laughs> it. Like, that's uh, the one thing going off topic here. That's one thing like with Dallas and Houston for me. It's like everything is 30 minutes away. It doesn't matter where you're going. It's a 30 minute trip. <laughs> no doubt. Coming up on the other side, it is a Monday tradition on a, after a game week here on the Cover 3 podcast. It is our Upon Further Review. We've had some time to digest everything that we saw. The Instant Reaction Show gave us a small sliver of what was a huge college football weekend. So we'll get into that and more next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, a reminder on Saturday nights, the best thing that you can do is subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast on YouTube. Hit the bell for notifications. You'll get an alert whenever we go live. Uh, Obviously, we were right on the tail end of Ohio State-Notre Dame. We spent a lot of time breaking that game down. Florida's win against Utah uh, worked our way uh, around the insanity that was the uh, North Carolina and NC State wins in the early slate. Talked a little bit about Iowa and more. Uh, so, and now with sort of the full plate available, and Danny, if you want to weigh in on any of that as well, uh, what are some other things from the weekend that stood out um, from week one? Um, I'll say this, and this is one thing that I think, Chip, you were on it. I mean, if we're going to give Florida State credit for their win and Jordan Travis playing great, 
Anthony Richardson might be that guy for the Florida Gators. And that was the one unknown because I felt like their defense would be okay. They've got some bodies. Felt like the roster wasn't as bad as maybe people thought, but there was this massive question mark of what would Anthony Richardson be? Would he be that stud coming out of high school we thought he was, or would he be the shell-shocked player as a true freshman who was playing against Georgia? And I think we got our answer. And he looked pretty dang special out there. And I think Billy Napier is building a system around him. When he gets you know, a nice game through the air and 100 on the ground, and he's making plays like he did on that two-point conversion, his confidence is only going to grow. So I think the Gators are going to be that team maybe that we're talking about deeper into the season than we thought. It was funny. Especially if these Kentucky suspensions hold. Yeah, I was going to say, Florida, Kentucky this week. These multi-week suspensions? Because Florida could be 2-0. Florida's favored right now by 6.5 on the opening I was going to say, I mean, as much as we – I know uh, Kentucky's won two out of the last four, but this was an extremely lopsided matchup, and I still think the talent gap would favor Florida pretty significantly. They're still getting more four- and five-stars than Kentucky. As great a job as Mark Stoops is doing. It was funny last night at halftime that, you know, they go to studio and it's, it's Boog and Mullen in studio and they're showing the highlights of Florida, Utah. And I can't remember exactly what Boog called, but they went to Boog for questions on the Florida, Utah highlights for obvious reasons. And Boog, with Dan Mullen sitting next to him said, he just looks a lot more comfortable back there this year. <laughs> he might, you know what though? Like in Dan Mullen's defense, a year makes a massive difference. Yeah, I know. It was, just, it was weird to me. Georgia's defense makes a massive difference too. <laughs> <laughs> well, was he was basically was saying he just he look he, he just looks so much more comfortable in the offense for whatever reason this year. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something I was just like kind of started laughing with Mullen sitting next to me saying it. Yeah, the I mean, thing they, that had me laughing was what I told y'all is that I can't believe I had not seen the Jackson State highlights on any college football halftime show, but I'll tell you what, Florida State's playing and they're going to put in the Jackson State highlights. <laughs> it's not, it's not, Mike Norvell's got to talk to somebody about that. That is not helping the situation, even in a win. Come on, man. Oh, um, by the way, I, I thought the timing on this was interesting. FSU did release the details of Norvell's extension he got last year. Uh, that that was not like a Harbaugh style extension where there's no actual additional guaranteed money. Like they're they're in on him. They they would owe him 18 if they were going to buy him out after this year. So uh, he he's not going anywhere. I mean, 18 is a prohibitive number. 18 is a prohibitive yeah. number. Yes, it is. If you're still Although paying Willie Taggart, so well, didn't they give Willie 17? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're Somewhere not going to do that back to back. You know, that's um, the reason I know I, I saw Michael Alford, the uh, the athletic director, high five and some players on the sideline. He had to have been feeling like. Thank goodness we got oh, this win. Guys were so happy last night. I I, I saw Alfred at the bar and, and you know, a bunch of other guys, and it just gives them something to fundraise on. It, there's there's it's been like four years since they've had something they can really fundraise off, right? I and mean, they, they 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 get rid of Willie, which is a controversial controversial decision. I understand behind the scenes stuff why they did so, and then they hire Mike, and it was sort of a hire some people like some people didn't, and then the pandemic hits. I'm like, okay, like that's kind of annoying. You can't get out and meet boosters on, on the trail except for like very small groups because COVID and a lot of FSU talk today. Sorry. But yeah, like they they needed something like this so they can fundraise off. They can kind of get – I'm sure they'll sell more season tickets off this, right, for remaining home games. Um, we didn't get a chance, I don't think, to touch on it very much in the instant reaction show, but I was watching uh, the Washington game, and I don't know if this ever happens to y'all, but you know the late night game ends, and then they automatically like replay something from earlier in the day. And mm-hmm. if you're still wired and can't fall asleep, you're like, oh, you know what? I will watch the first half of Oklahoma UTEP until yep. three in the morning. Oklahoma looked good. 
Like I thought that offensively Dylan Gabriel came out cooking. They were very efficient defensively. It's like, Oh yeah, that's right. Jalen Redmond is still a dude. And that defense was flying around. They were really aggressive. You know, they put the game away early and were just able to cruise all through the second half as I fell asleep for the second half, but the game was out of hand is what I can tell you. And I just, I was like, okay, that's, if, if you wanted to look at like Brent Venables and the offseason that he had, everything about the specter of Lincoln Riley, having Kale Gundy, the, the resignation, you know, everything was just a little bit unsteady. And then to just come out and take care of business, do it early, celebratory atmosphere there in Norman. I, I thought that was a good like check, check, check. Nothing that I'm going to upgrade my Oklahoma thoughts, but certainly having any any potential concerns seem to be put to the side, at least for now with the Sooners. I thought they did a great job of taking care of business. Yeah, similar note. that's not a bad UTEP team. Like, it's not a good UTEP team, but they're not terrible. Similar note, speaking of Oklahoma, the one (sighs) game I recorded, bless you, I didn't really get a chance to watch much yesterday because I'm going through the process of moving. So it's my upon further review. I only was able to watch one game, and I picked the wrong game because I was starting to watch USC Rice just because I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to get a glimpse at what it looked like. And... I watched probably about a quarter and a half before I was like, I, I don't need to see anymore because Rice was just absolutely offering no resistance whatsoever. But USC's offense looks good. The defense looked fine. But yeah, it was, they were clearly overmatched. You know, Tom, I, I don't want to push back on that, but I, I did notice, like, since I, I looked at the drive chart, I actually did not get to watch USC Rice. Rice moved the ball a little bit on the first couple drives like i did, did 63 mm-hmm. yards on the first drive or something silly like, what yeah, were they doing once, there once they got off script it was very much like i was just like okay but they were no they were running the ball they were moving the ball it's like usc's defense is still i think going to be an issue once especially once they start playing better teams but as far as just watching that offense it was it was not fair watching <laughs> usc's offense versus rice's defense uh, upon further review, you guys might hit. Is there any doubt JJ McCarthy is the starter week three? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, upon further review, who's starting for the Aggies week three? Haynes King has a lot of interceptions in his very short time as a Texas AM starting quarterback. And that's one of them not- was a, a bad underthrow, too. I just, <laughs> that's great. You know, I, I just, Hope it gets it figured out, but I wonder if there was a, you know, if Max Johnson will start to see some reps more in practice, something where you start seeing a move. There has to be something that Jimbo is seeing in Haynes King because, like, he won the job last year. And granted, like, I'm not a big Calzada believer, but he still beat him out until he got hurt. And then he beat out everybody else in the, in, in, in the fall, you know, this year. So what is happening in practice that is not translating to the game for Haynes King? Maybe it's just new pieces and, they were weirdly like explosive, but not consistent, which is absolutely the opposite of what they've been for the last four years. So very interested in that situation there. Uh, I went back and looked at this Oklahoma State game. Did you guys watch this? Yeah. Yeah. Central Michigan, granted, most of their yards came in garbage time. I think Oklahoma State was up like 55-15 or some, something crazy. But they actually did move the ball a little bit before that, but mm-hmm. it was through the air. Yeah, the, Daniel Richardson, the little fire hydrant quarterback. Yeah. Oklahoma State did a pretty nice job shutting down their run game. I was uh, I was not expecting that to play out like it did. Do you think that Oklahoma State's defense is going to be a suspect group? Yes. Possibly. But the D-line, I think, still is pretty good. I'm just not sure. Like, 
so Central Michigan lost, and this is really sicko mode, I guess, but they lost two tackles to the NFL, mm-hmm. right? On a team Raymond like Central Michigan, the... yeah, like they can't just they, that. That's hard to replace at the magic level. Uh, I don't know how bad the Central Michigan's offensive line is going to be. It's probably just okay, but I do think Oklahoma State is a good D line. The rest of it, though, they they had some issues with communication on the back half with the pass defense. And then when you're looking across, um, when you're looking across the entire big 12, I think, I think we will probably see better passing offenses. That was one note that we had from the off season. Remember we said last year was a little bit of an aberration in terms of the big 12 and the quarterback play, the passing offenses. It wasn't, wasn't overwhelming, but Blake Shapin looked really good. I mean, I know that we're talking about the, an opponent adjusted thing here and Hey, Good luck, Blake. Now you go to Provo to go play BYU. But um, this is Blake Shapin looked very good. I'd mentioned Dylan Gabriel looked good earlier. Um, I I think that that could be a problem for Oklahoma State if Oklahoma State wants to be playing in November for a shot to win a Big Twelve title. If they cannot stop the pass, that is going to be potentially extremely problematic. Even if Spencer Sanders and the Oklahoma State offense is going to be able to go put forty plus on the board every single week. I have for the review. Sorry, no, Tom. No, you go. No, I want to go last. Go. Okay, I've I've got a couple. Um, USF's defense is still horrendous. Horrendous. Yes, yes, really, really bad. Um, I mean, I feel like BYU could have put seventy up on them if it really wanted to, and they didn't even put uh, Puka back in the game, and Romney didn't Mm -hmm. play, Mm -hmm. and they went their their first uh, their first six drives. 75, 65, 82, 32 punt. Nice job. 65 and 19 for a field goal. Uh, and then they took a knee in the half, threw a pick to come out after a 61 yard drive, 76 yard touchdown drive, and then a uh, 11 play, 55 yard field goal drive. And that was the ball game. I mean, mm, that's, I think that USF's offense is going to have some improvement this year. And it may just not matter at all. That defense is terrible. Hmm. Um, okay, so you said you want to go last? Yeah. All right, I, I can rapid fire a couple of these. Uh, I'm not going to make any big deal about the Rose Bowl attendance stuff. It was 100 degrees in Pasadena. All right. I, get, I would make a bigger deal out of the fact that Chip Kelly apparently still doesn't care about non conference games and let Bowling Green get out to a seven to seven lead before that offense finally took off and was able to you know, put it, put out a final score more appropriate for what we were expecting from the team. I think I had the wrong read on Arkansas-Cincinnati. I didn't get, like, I was in and out of that game. And so going back to review, I think the way that Cincinnati responded and really played from, like, the second half on and being able to battle back was deserving of a little bit more praise than I was giving the Bearcats off the jump. And then, um, finally, Missouri 52, Louisiana Tech 24. Is that a small deal, a medium deal, or a big deal, especially when the offense was able to cook but then the defense also, like, 24 points on the board, but not much of it on the ground, and that was one of the worst rush defenses in the entire country last season. Does the Alpha Nerd have a team that can exceed expectations this year? Uh, they got off to a slow start in that game. I'm not going to read too much into a game against Louisiana Tech. In year one with Sonny It Cumbie. was a slow start. Yeah. I was watching the first half thinking, man, this yeah. could get ugly for Eli Drinkwitz, yeah. but at least they woke up. Yeah. Yeah, on the Arkansas point. Arkansas had, I think, three guys go down in the secondary, and Cincinnati did not do a damn thing on offense mm-hmm. until that happened. So I'm, I'm sort of still TBD on if Cincinnati's passing game is actually good, and I shouldn't discount the kid who threw for 325 yards here. But 
a lot of that did come when Arkansas started playing a bunch of guys. I had to be like, wait a second, I remember him very recently as a recruit going into the secondary. They, oh, lot, lot of young guys like yeah. like me, yeah. me, me looking at wow, Cincinnati's having more success right now seems to be lining. Man, this is why it's so good to have Bud Elliott on your squad. It lines up with oh, this is when somebody who should be playing in twenty twenty three is out there right now, not somebody who should be on the field for the season opener in twenty two. Also, I would say that I don't think. What was that? I think they get those guys back though. Oh, okay. I was I was just gonna say like he threw Ben Bryant threw like over forty passes. I don't think that is the recipe for success for Cincinnati this year. All right, Tom. All right, my last upon further review is not for me. It's not for any of us. It's for one of our listeners. A couple of weeks ago. Noticed a review when we were going through for mailbag questions. A, a Notre Dame fan gave us a three-star review because he was mad at us. He, he said that I was wrong for saying that Avery Davis, the team's starting slot receiver last year before he missed the last month of the season with an injury, was the team's starting slot receiver and that the offense would struggle without him early. Uh, same Avery Davis that Marcus Freeman called a his injury called a huge blow. The same Avery Davis, who Marcus Freeman named a captain for this season, despite the fact that he will not be playing. Uh, our listener said that Lorenzo Styles, Braden Lindsay, and Jaden Thomas were going to be the starters anyway. Uh, they did start. The three of them combined for two receptions against <laughs> Ohio State on Saturday night. Michael Mayer caught five passes which is as much as the rest of the team combined. Uh, the commenter also said that the Irish had the best combination of offensive line and defensive line in the country. The offensive line, rush game, averaged two and a half yards per carry, allowed three sacks, six tackles for loss. The defensive line didn't play poorly, but it did allow five yards per carry and only had two tackles for loss in the entire game. Not saying that Notre Dame's not going to be better. Ohio State is a tough, tough opponent. They do have some tough games left this season. So all I'm saying is I just ask that maybe you consider bumping that rating back up to five stars because it sure looked like we knew a lot more about what we were talking about than you thought. Are we saying Tom just hit him with, upon further review, the review? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Look at that. Yeah, and that's that's Kirby Smart calling line one as far as the best offensive and defensive line combination uh, in, in the country. It, uh, okay, so – is Georgia number one? Are we are we, are we going to talk about yes. just yes. roll that one out? They should be. They should be. I'll say it. I'll be the first one to say it. They should be number one this week in the poll if we do it the way we're supposed to do it, based on resume, based on eye test, based on talent. They should be number one. Now, I I could easily say you could switch it later, like if Alabama goes to Texas and does what we think we, they can. But as we sit here right now, Georgia should be number one. It's not even close. Yes. I mean, is that an agreement? Like Georgia? The I'll Alpha- probably, I'm probably going to leave Alabama at one, but I'm going to bump Georgia ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, we've got to fill out our week one performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Without they're the best team right now? Maybe. I, I mean, I didn't watch a ton of Alabama. And granted, Utah State's not Oregon, but Utah State did win the Mountain West last year, and Alabama just completely bossed them right from the jump. Yeah. Alabama, Georgia, is does Ohio State still have membership to that top tier club? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I, I think mean, so. Like, I think they played the toughest opponent. I mean, I think we forgot Oregon last year got pushed around by Utah twice to finish the season. Maybe they're not as physical, and maybe their roster is not as 
you know, ready for prime time as we thought. And they had Bo Nix at quarterback. Like, yeah, wait, weird. These are all points that somebody made on the locks pod. I can't remember who it was. (laughs) I mean, no, and Ohio State's defense did look phenomenal on Saturday night. And the offense, you know, when you didn't already, you already were missing Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, and Jibba goes down. You'd lost Garrett Wilson and Olave from last year. Like, it took that passing game a little while to click and figure it out. And Notre Dame played some excellent defense itself. Um, how bad is Notre Dame's passing offense in practice, by the way? Like, they never let him throw. It, it, it's <sighs> terrible. They don't like have their, the, their run game was garbage. They don't have the dudes. Yeah, they don't have yeah. the guys to throw to. Like, they did They did pull off some big plays in the passing game, although, like, the first pass to Lorenzo Styles was went for 54 times, yards. Yeah, I know. But like, they I mean, had the 54 yard pass. the game, it's supposed to just keep it close. Like, congrats. You kept it close. At no point well, that did was, you really try to win it. That was definitely a we are going to keep this close and give ourselves a shot in the fourth quarter kind of game plan. We're not yep. going to get blown out. Yeah, Notre Dame walked into Columbus with the the 12 seed first round NCAA tournament game plan. Mm-hmm. Just ho- hope that things get a little bit crazy and someone gets a little bit tight. Um, before we get out of here, I'll, I'll just sort of throw this to the to the group. Can you think of a team or teams that come to mind that go back to that, you feel like you have made some of the biggest adjustment based on what you were expecting coming into the season. Now, I understand inherently that is probably going to be an overreaction, but we spend three, four months breaking down these teams, trying to set our expectations with no data, like no live action for us to be able to test what our theories are or test what our expectations are going to be. So is there a team or a te- or teams that stood out so far where you feel like you are you are very quickly moving to the other side of where you stood before week one? You know, this is upon further review that I didn't really think about until now. On the reaction pod Saturday night, I talked about how I was severely going to downgrade Louisville and I wasn't sure what to do with Syracuse. But the thought just occurred to me, what if Syracuse is this year's Virginia in that they have the same offensive coordinator as Virginia had? What if Garrett Schrader is about to be Brennan Armstrong and that offense is going to put up a lot of really fun and interesting things and score a bunch of points and Louisville just was not ready for it and got completely dominated because of it? That still doesn't explain the Louisville offense. No, but Syracuse defense might just be good. I'm, I'm still downgrading Louisville. I'm just wondering. I was wondering. I hadn't figured out what to make of Syracuse yet. And right. now I'm kind of having that thing. It's like, wait, maybe Syracuse's offense is just actually going to be good. You know, I so Louisville did move the ball, but they were so sloppy. I, I agree with Tom on that. Like, like you have to wonder, is something going on there? And defensively, they, they look just disastrous still, which is bad. I, I, I thought they were going to be improved on defense. I was very wrong there. I'm going to stay in the ACC. I, I don't know if it's possible to upgrade North Carolina's offense and downgrade their defense enough. Like, their defensive coaching is terrible. Chase Bryce lost all three of his receivers last year to graduation or, or the draft, and he threw for over 10 yards an attempt you know, sitting back in the cut, look, looking justified, Jay Bateman. He's like, see, <laughs> yeah. I told you guys the secondary coaching is terrible here. And you, you guys make me look bad as a DC. Offensively, Drake May, I mean, the guy looks like a, like a first round draft pick through two. It's two games with FAMU and App State. So probably going to clip this and be on, on, you know, freezing cold takes or whatever. But this guy looks tremendously good. Like he, he looks like the guy that Bama wanted in, in North Carolina beat him out for. He's, a stud. I was blown away. I watched a lot of that game. 
the presence, some of the throws he was reading, like getting to his third option, getting the ball vertical down the field. I think he's a clear upgrade over Sam Howell. And I thought Sam Howell was a really good quarterback. But I'm I'm more along Bud's line of thinking that he's a top 10 NFL first-round quarterback based on what I saw. And it's two games in, but there's a presence there that I don't – and we'll see if it translates into there. And he's going to have opportunity to put up massive numbers with that defense. But I think he's capable of doing it. Yeah, There's no way in the world that that competition was close in, in, in camp, right? Like, <laughs> no, we, no, I refuse right. to accept that North Carolina has two guys like that battling it out. It is funny to go full circle here. Sam Howell is a lot like Jaden Daniels. It was always first reader go. Right. Mm. Um, any any other ones out that we want to spotlight before we get out of here? NC State, I don't like to, I really don't like overreacting to week one stuff. A little bit more nervous about NC State getting that over win total, which was one of my favorites. Um, they got the win. That's all that mattered, by the way. The ACC dodged complete disaster in three games that would have completely shifted the narrative. And I know Virginia Tech lost, and that was an ugly one. But and my, Boston College lost. My mm-hmm. NBC lost. To but at least, you got those, <laughs> at least you got those wins you can kind of hang your hat on. And most importantly, Florida State versus the SEC is one or no. Yeah, no, that was – is if – that's like the thin line that we were dealing with here. It was missed extra points against ECU, a blocks extra point against Florida State, two failed two point tries against North Carolina. Like that is the razor thin margin between the ACC having a barely 500 record in non conference play in week one. Hey, it's the first week. It's the first week. You just got to get through. Yep. You, you when say is that, a win. But- no, but Tom's also out here on the side on his other group chat, like, you know, the ACC is cheeks. <laughs> That's just me messing with you guys. <laughs> also, by the way, uh, the ref stole a win from Illinois. We didn't talk about it on Saturday, but oh, yeah. I'm, ha- I'm happy Indiana paid those officials. Congratulations, Hoosiers. You really got what you paid for. Money well Love spent. each other and pay officials. Leo Apo. That is always what they say. They've got it on the walls <laughs> in the facility in Bloomington. <laughs> Um, Boise State, I thought would be better on offense this year, and with, with because they were so injured last year, I, I thought maybe okay, they'd be better second year on, under OC Tim Plow. They benched Bachmeyer in the first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he just looked garbage. Like, sorry, I don't want to call it garbage. He looked he looked really bad. No, the performance was garbage. Remember, we yeah, isolate he, he the really, person he from the like garbage. Yeah, two picks early. Uh, the backup was not that bad, but. Boise's offense is a problem. If I'm a Fresno State fan, I'm feeling really good today. Yeah, I'm, I picked Boise to win the Mountain West in our expert predictions, and I think I've got that one wrong. I am also willing to take the other side of that and be like, well, Oregon State, it's not, it wasn't a one-year flash-in-the-pan thing. Like this, I, I don't know which side of that I'm on. I don't feel strongly, but that was that was one where I like circled both teams, and I was like, Boise could be way worse than I thought, or Oregon State – could at least be able to maintain and being able to maintain when you're Oregon State, I think would be a success for John. Is Oregon State the best team in the state? People are wondering. They play Fresno this weekend. So we will see a really nice, you know, kind of, you know, A, a versus B, B versus C type test of, uh, of these teams in the Mountain West. I think Boise State is going to be awesome. I think they're going to turn around their whole season. And I think it starts on Friday night when everybody should be watching the game because I'll be calling it. <laughs> 
yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh. So get ready to watch the turnaround start. Or it might be New Mexico's year. I don't know, but it's going to be a, a crazy game. We, we need a secret. Watch. We need a secret phrase for Danny. Just oh, for the I'll work it in, in that days. game. I'll work it in. Whatever you want, I'll work it in. All right. We'll, we'll have until <laughs> Thursday. Need something. I'm going to need something. You do the, uh, the Breaking Bad. Like, I, I am the one who knocks. Yeah. We'll work on the Danny Cannell bingo card for Friday night. Uh, just <laughs> who are you, ca- who are you calling it with? Uh, Chris Lewis is his keep, name. New- keep calling Chris Jesse the entire game in like an angry <laughs> voice. <laughs> Oh man! We, I don't know if we're allowed to say the B word on here or yeah. the broadcast, but I yeah. kind of want to work it in somehow. Like science, yeah, the great yeah. place. Science, bitch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man! Thanks for hanging out. We will be back on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, with another live show for you tonight. There is Clemson, Georgia Tech. Any strong predictions or last-minute locks? I don't think anybody dropped any locks on this one on the pod. I'm on the uh, the total. I think I'm on the under. Uh, yeah, I'm on the under, which I still feel pretty good about. I'm a I'm, I'm little bit wondering if I should do the first half under, if I should have done the first half under, because I just wonder if it gets a little bit sideways late. But uh, I still like it. I think Georgia Tech's going to struggle offensively versus that defense. And I think I, w- I want to see Clemson's, you know, this offense, which is supposed to be explosive now. I want to see it first. Yeah, I think I think the Twitter tip is going to be Georgia Tech under 13 and a half. Yeah, team to- Georgia Tech team total under. I'm going uh, I'm going all line. I I I think the I think the staff doesn't like that staff and if they can run it up they will. Like Ooh. when they had the, when they had the ability to 2 years ago, recall this, they were throwing like- touchdown passes with mm-hmm. the punter after mm-hmm. the whole lifting weights on the field thing, you know. Uh, I I think if they if they can put it to them they will. Okay, hold on. We need to run this back for listeners who may or may not remember this. And I'm sorry to take this way like deep into the the Jeff Collins Dabo Sweeney rivalry. But if I remember correctly, that was like part of the Jeff Collins shtick, right? Like he still is doing the oh, we don't release a depth chart. It's called ATL above the line, and he's still doing some of the other like gimmicky stuff. But they were lifting weights as like a this is how hard we go, right? And it messed up the field in Death Valley. Um, there's something to the idea of like, like, I mean, you guys have seen Kepka, right? He, he he bench presses before he goes out and plays golf. Like, like there yes. there are some guys who lift before they do events. Like, it's not like a, a it's not anti science. Like, like there is something to it. But I, I think that they were the the rumor going around was on the field that like right not on the sideline, but like they kind of encroached on the field a little yeah. bit maybe and. Uh, and and then Clemson dropped 70 on him, and they were letting the punter throw touchdown passes like in the fourth quarter. So I was like, ah, took note. Like maybe there's something too that they don't like each other very much. Very good note. Again, we will be back Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Week two locks on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. The season is off and rolling, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.